Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, as you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now, remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. Like any market you go into, you want to develop your team from the get-go. And any new deal you buy, any new market you walk into, I don't know who, who the best people are, but I'm going to go out and, and interview them, a couple of people. You you interviewed the property management. You, I think you went to three or four. They're a part of the team. Our interior designers are part of the team. Our GCs are part of the team. And ideally, you want to, you do a bunch of upfront work to nail down the team you want, and then it's just rinse and repeat in every single deal. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US. 
I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Welcome to another awesome edition. We're coming to you from sunny Austin, Texas, and I've got my business partner here today, Andrew Campbell. G'day, Andrew. How are you going, mate? Good, Reed. How are you? Good, buddy. So we wanted to flip things around today, right? We're going to talk a little bit about asset management and how that is just not talked about in this in this world of investing, whether it be multifamily, uh, mobile home parks, any sort of commercial level grade of um, of investing, even on the smaller stuff, because you've got a little bit of asset management. Yeah. But I know you. We wanted to. I'll talk a little bit about you. Wanting to be me. Yeah, like, I'm super excited to flip the script on you here, dude, and, and let's get do it. to <clears throat> get to ask you some questions on here let's for a change. Let's, you know, let's uh, practice your interviewee skills, interviewer skills, I should say. Let's, yeah, yeah. So I think you know where this comes from. We are what eight months into ownership. We just mm-hmm. got back from a, a visit in San Antonio at, at, at our asset we closed and. Uh, renovations are largely complete, and I think you know, given our structure at Wildhorn, you're the you're realistically the day-to-day asset manager. You kind of in the into the details and, and walking through the contracts and managing all the folks that are getting all this stuff done. I go down to make sure it's happening, but you're the one that's on the weekly calls, etc. So I think it'd be helpful and educational to, to, for me to ask you questions sure. about. How have how have you done this? Mm-hmm. Right, we're in seven months, completely renovated a property, completely transforming, transformed it, rebranded it. People are super excited. Our leasing team literally cried when they moved back into to the to the leasing office. Like it's been incredible transformation. Um, it's a lot of work. Right. How the hell did you have you done it? Right. Well, and I guess also in that, I want to make sure that we cover with you and like some of the the rebranding stuff and why we do that. Like because. Uh, part of what this podcast is going to be about is the stuff you don't hear a lot about. People talk a lot about closing deals and yeah. finding deals, but once you, the work actually starts once you've closed, yeah. and, and that's what we'll, we'll cover. And so I want to also quiz you a little bit about that. But let's yeah, let's start from the top. I guess let's define asset management. What is it? Yeah. Uh, because with syndication in large scale multifamily, large scale commercial real estate, our business plan is focused around having a third party property management team that run the day to day, right? And so property management deals with getting new leases on board, fixing, you know, maintenance requests, all that sort of stuff, making sure the property is running smoothly on a day to day basis. An asset manager is sort of overseeing that that team on the ground, right? And, and, and that's why I can do it from afar. You can do it from kind of afar uh, because you're also involved in, in, in the day-to-day, not, a, not as much, but it's you still like to, you know, just the nature of who we are, both you and I as per people, we like to get involved in the details, make sure the, the freaking deal's working. So an asset management sits above the property manager and making sure they just, you know, everything's getting done and, and we're ho- not holding their feet to the fire, we are, but just making sure we're cracking the whip and, and things are getting done on site. Well, so, so let me ask you, rewind to last November. We get this thing closed. We've got a business plan, a pro forma that you know, we, we're going to go execute. As you think through the job of an asset manager and how we're going to transform this asset over the next you know, 18 months from the time we bought it, what is the process that we've gone through? What do you think about and how have you... Because at this point, everything's done, right? The renovations are large. The exterior renovations are done. We're still turning interior units. How have we gotten to all that work being done? Yeah, so let's we'll, we will let's separate it into interior and exterior. Let's talk about the exterior for a second. So, I guess the big thing we did as a team was identify in the due diligence what are things we want to go hit and why, right? So we 
developed a CapEx plan. And for people who don't know what CapEx means, it's capital expenditure. So it's a budget that we raise for investors through equity that we're going to use as the bucket of money to go and upgrade the property, both interior and exterior. And we had to determine, you know, there's some unknowns in that stuff, replacing siding, um, some deferred maintenance. The roof had already been replaced, which was good. So we could take that one off the table. But they also when then wanted to go and beautify it, make it better and look better and attractive. So one of the things we, 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 we discussed, and you had a big hand in this, was the rebranding, right? And, and rebranding and why do we rebrand and all that sort of stuff. So the rebranding side of it for me, and, and I want to get your opinion on it as well, is like we do it in order to, again, like the like if you ever go go past a restaurant and it used to be an old Chinese restaurant or something, it's now this you know swanky you know we're here in Austin you know there's something bloody restaurants that, that change all the time but under new management it's a new it's a new it's the same space but it's something else it's called something else um, so that's exactly what we do on these big big assets we go and we rebrand it we put in a new color scheme uh, so the reason why we do that is to try and help change people's perception of what the existing asset gives it it gives us a platform right Right. to to go do whatever our vision is for the property and that to you to your point under new management just signifies like changes is afoot right new things are happening it also has the benefit of wiping away whatever baggage good bad or ugly was associated with the other name but i think for for, you know a, a new name a new logo all that stuff is great but then, you know, we're coming in and we, we, we've painted the property. It's got a whole new feel to it, really. I mean, you walk into it now, the brick's been painted. It's, it, it feels modern. Like that's, that's kind of what we've done. And, but that, that's the vision, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and the branding piece is a big part of setting the tone for the vision. The execution, I think, is the piece that, that I want you, know, you to kind of talk into a little bit here. Of you know, Walk me through, uh, I, I guess maybe first off, what were the, the high level metrics that we needed to go do in order to execute our business plan, hit the value add, get the NOI where we needed to be to, to hit the returns for investors, which is the ultimate goal of this. What were the, the big metrics that, that we needed to go hit and how did you outline to get those done? Yeah, so I guess it comes back to the business philosophy of what you do when you transition a property. And the big thing is, doing the interiors, right? We want to do the interiors, we want to put in a new upgrade package, which is new flooring, new paint, new light fixtures, new color scheme, really making it bright and beautiful. And then through that, increasing the rent, 120, 150 bucks a month more. And you want to systematically do that throughout the property. And we typically would like to underwrite to 75% over a period of about 18 months. That's the interiors. On the exterior, our philosophy is really about as soon as a new tenant drives across the property property line, they're already subconsciously thinking, "Wow, I want to live here." So that mean, what does that mean? It means we have to go and you know rebrand the property, do new signage, update the leasing office, update the pool equipment and furniture, um, put in new amenities like a new barbecue pit, like a new gym. Uh, again, the painting of the property, we paint the property and give it a new color scheme because that just really brightens it up, right? It takes it from the tired and old property that once once was under old management and brings it into a new light. Mm-hmm. And again, before someone's even seen the interiors or gone on a tour, they're already driving across and wow, new landscape, new signage, new flutter flags, new leasing office. I'm really subconscious, they're already thinking they're being sold on the property, right? And that's part of the rebrand and that's part of the capex that we've got to go and- And that's the vision. Right, that's the right? vision, that's the vision. How do you go execute that and, and what what teams do you have in place and how do you 
from afar as an asset manager get the ball rolling? Sure. So it goes back to, again, to our CapEx dollars, right? Where do we need to spend money in order to move the needle? So we talked about rebranding. That, that costs money. The new, new monument sign costs money. We uh, just briefly touched, we, we did update a landscape package. You know, that's, that's money. What, how much money does that cost to go do that? Uh, replacing the siding, now that's a deferred maintenance issue, but you go do it and whilst, once you're doing that, you may change the color of the property. I know one of your great ideas, and it turned out great, was painting the brick. It was this old red brick. Just painting it in a different color scheme, it was made the property look like a completely new asset. So again, these things all have dollar figures against them. And, and you and I, or me, I've got to try and determine how much that costs, right? So the way in which I'd go and do that is I would invite, and what I did invite, four or five GCs to walk the property with me, uh, look at the scope of work, uh, and get their input on what I have to do from a deferred maintenance point of view, and what is a nice to do. And sometimes we've got to trade off between those buckets of money, because remember, you want to keep that other bucket of money for the interiors to make sure you go up and do that. So I'm definitely setting up site meetings with my GCs, setting up the scope of work, being very clear with the scope of work and, and having our design team make sure that they're being very clear with their drawings and stuff like that. And doing it from afar, um, I've been doing that for a better part of a decade with my, my, my prof professional career as an engineer and a pro project manager and all that sort of stuff. So I've had experience doing that. It's not hard. It's just really at the end of the day, being an asset manager slash project manager slash construction manager is like herding cats. Mm -hmm. You really just got to be on people's asses and make sure they get you deliver stuff on time. Make sure you're being the leader because that's what a project manager does. They lead the pack. Hey, follow me and we need to get this property, this project from A to point B and this is how the steps we do it. Yeah. Does that answer a bit of your question? Yeah. And I think I'd love for you to talk a little bit, you know, I remember the day we had you, there was like five GCs on site and you had them all there meeting us and you were walking around and one guy left. He's like, screw this. This is the project's not for me. And then in the middle of the walk, he left. I thought that was great. But how did you know? Because I think we're both super happy with our GC. He's, right. he's phenomenal. He's, been, he's done a really good job. He has our trust. He's not gouging us. Like he's, how did you sort of select him and how did you curate the relationship with him now eight months in where you know we, I, I can call him up and say, Hey Randy, can you go walk this other deal for me and give me a sense of, you know, or fact check my numbers? Right. We've built that sort of relationship with him. How, how, how did you do that from an asset management perspective? Well, I think from a total 30,000 foot perspective is that like any market you go into, you want to develop your team from the get-go. And, and any new deal you buy, any new market you walk into, I don't know who, who the best people are, but I'm going to go out and and interview them, a couple of people. You you interviewed the property management. You, I think you went to three or four. They're a part of the team. Our interior designers are part of the team. Our GCs are part of the team. And ideally, you want to, you do a bunch of upfront work to nail down the team you want, and then it's just rinse and repeat in every single deal. You boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. Set the standards on the front end, and that's a little bit what I took on board with the asset management stuff. So how did I set the standards? What I do? We did a we did a site walk. I did the prop. I did the scope of work. Um, we made sure the designers were, were producing drawings on time. But just, just talk for from. Let's just say from a GC perspective. Yeah. You, you end up getting four bids. How did you? How did you sort of go through and, and select the best one? The best one through that process. Yeah. So a lot of people just talk about the, the being cheap, right? Uh, I look at a couple of things. Responsiveness. How responsive are they? Uh, one of the things I like to do is when I'm on site, once I've shown them the scope of work, particularly with the deferred maintenance, a large property. Just stand back and see who gets in the car and drives away. 
or who's actually going around and taking more notes in order to give me the most competitive bid. And there was one of the guys who just got his car and left, right? Uh, well, there was, no, the fifth guy got his car and left. And then there was another guy who sort of stayed around for 30 seconds and left. The other three guys actually did consistent walks around the property. And that, I just knew from there, then that point that those are the three. So I've, already whittled, I, yeah. I've already whittled down to three. Don't know who it's going to be yet. Over that period, the next couple of weeks, I, I would call them literally every other day and to say, how are you going with the bids? What else? What other information can I help you with? Uh, any questions for me? You know, in order to get them to a bid, uh, making sure I'm you know, really being very laser focused on the scope. So they're, they're not trying to like, if you're loosey goosey with your scope, people are just going to be like, uh, chuck a fat number at you. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, that doesn't fit my budget. I'm, you know, what the hell? Mm -hmm. it's, be, it's the way in which I navigate and run that ship, being the project manager, asset manager, whatever the hell you want to call it, being very definitive about roles and being very definitive on, on scope with the GC in order for them to then come back with me with a competitive bid. Okay. I got the competitive bids. I set a date when I wanted it. And I gave them, I think, two or two and a half weeks, enough time that they could come back and forth to the property. And through the consistent phone calls, I was checking in with them to say, okay, how are you going with your bid? You know, I've also got feedback saying I went back today or you know, people going back on their own time. And they wanted to impress me because, and, and that, that really does impress me when you go back on your own time and rewalk the property two or three times because I know they're doing their due diligence well. So when I did get the bids, um, I was very clear about I wanted, I, I'm an asset manager and just from my days as being a, an engineer and a construction manager, project manager, breaking everything down to cost per unit, cost per square foot, cost per item. And that's where I can compare apples to apples. Right? How much did you assume with the siding did you need? Do we need to replace from a deferred maintenance point of view? And then back into a cost per square foot. Uh, and then where I, the way I could do that was then compare two or three bids side by side. It's like, okay, that person was at five bucks a square foot. That person was at six. This person's at $4.50. I didn't just go to the $4.50 one first. I needed to also understand, well, hang on, what is it that he's got in there? And this is, comes a little bit more from my experience as with ground up construction. I know with siding that once you rip off some siding, you have waterproofing issues. You have structural issues behind that. What contingency do they have in that number of $4.55, $6 in order to make sure that I mitigate my risk or our risk so they're not coming back and asking for a ton of change orders? Mm -hmm. So what I did was, I said, okay, I understand siding is, uh, like how long is a piece of string? I could spend this much, I could, could spend a lot of money. I wanted to cap it at a certain amount based on the budget. When I got the numbers back in, they were, some are a little high, some are a little low. I called each one of them and said, okay, walk me through this bit here on the siding. What, how much have you, you know, is it 100,000 square feet of siding you, you've, you've, you've chosen to replace or is it only 50,000 square feet? And really through that process and understanding what they're thinking, I could back into saying, okay, I'm happy to do, I, I ended up signing the contract with, with a company called THD uh, and, and I ended up giving them a not to exceed number in a contract. And not to exceed means you've got 190,000 bucks. That equates to about 45,000 square feet of siding. That's replacing, that's fixing all the waterproofing behind it, that's fixing all the structural issues and mitigating the risk to me or us and through a contractual point of view, so he's not coming back and saying, "Hey, uh, oh, we, we ran into these issues. Right. Uh, I need another twenty thousand bucks. Right. I need another fifty thousand bucks." It just blows out to me. You did a that across. You know, we had siding, you had roofing, you had paint. I mean, sort of every line item on the budget, right? Well, so, well, so I, 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 I <laughs> things that I can be 
very specific on, like painting. Painting's not a, you know, it doesn't, it's not an ab um, abstract thing. It's not a, it's not like how long is a piece of string? We want to paint the property. What's the number? Okay. I can get the square footage multiplied by $2.50, whatever the, the unit rate is, and get a pretty strong number, right? So that can be what's called, uh, and I lumped a lot of those things that I was very certain about into what's called a GMP, guaranteed maximum price. And I told the GCs at the, at the onset, I want GMP contracts. Again, mitigating my risk. GMP, uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it, guaranteed maximum price. Also Google AIA, uh, I think it's the Architecture Institute of America. It's a standardized contract in the industry that people use. And they've got a, a slew of different contracts. There's um, design build contracts, there's owner, you know, owner designer contracts. And in those contracts, you can have a not to exceed number, uh, you can have a cost plus uh, contract, or you can have a, a guaranteed maximum price. There's three options. I always go with the guaranteed maximum price to reduce my risk. So, so we we went through that process. Mm -hmm. We kind of whittled it down from three horses to the one horse. We made the selection and we got we got contracts that protected us as, as good as we could yep. in the context of the budget, the CapEx budget that we had Correct. set. Now you've got to go execute. Correct. Talk a little bit about, I know you, you do a weekly call with the GC directly, mm -hmm. you know, the property manager. I don't even, are they involved with that at all? It's just you and the... Like they what are. process did you have you come up with? Because again, what, where I want to get is like, we've done an incredible amount of work, and I, I remember I, I mean you know I get on site twice a month, um, and just being down there and I mean it it's it, there were cockroaches, man. I mean, you had, you had twenty painters and you had guys doing siding and you had people doing the interiors and the landscape. I mean, the term war zone was used a lot by the property. It looks like a war zone, and it did. Mm -hmm. But to me, that was like awesome because it's progress and it's like. We're hitting this thing as fast as possible to minimize the disruption, get the team back in the leasing center. That took a lot of work, coordination, process from an asset management perspective. Like, what was your process from the time we got the contract signed in order to works kicked off, and how do you manage that pro that work? Yeah. So the and this is where again comes from asset management versus rolling up sleeves and doing it. You know, the reason you employ a GC is to be the um, the sheep herder for all the different subs, the siding sub, um, the foundation sub, the painting sub, all the, the, the you know, the landscapes on a slightly different track, but that's what he's employed to do. He's employed to coordinate all that. And I coordinate him and he gives me feedback. And so I can make informed decisions. I'm not there coordinating the painting sub, making sure he's scheduled after so-and-so and before this person comes on site. That's that's what I pay the GC for. That's why he's got a fee. And again, I don't mind doing that because I, my time is limited. And I'm a one one man band, you know. So, but we did set up, I did set up um, some, some expectations. The first thing was, making sure we set up a draw schedule. How does how, how is he getting paid, right? Uh, there's a number of ways you can do it in ground up construction. If you're working with the bank, uh, they will do monthly draws, but because we had the CapEx- We are the bank, right? We had, we had the CapEx yeah. dollars on our side. So I, I still approached it like a bank. I said, I wanna see the backup of all your, your billing, you know, uh, and I wanna see what's called unconditional waivers. And unconditional waivers are, again, another mitigant uh, mitigate, mitigate? Uh, yeah. uh, against someone or a sub coming back and suing us for not getting paid. Because the issue that you have is, you, I pay THD, they may not pay. So they may be getting you know, money from our job and paying someone else on another job, right? So what I make sure they do is give me, here's a bill for $150,000 and here's an unconditional. And an unconditional means that as soon as this clears, 
we will not come after you legally and no one around us, around them or their subs can come after us legally. Setting up those parameters is extremely important from an asset management point of view and from a risk point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was one thing. So we kicked them off okay. with the first draw, 150K. They got they went off to, off to the races. They're buying material. I'm, got, I'm not involved in the material buying or any, you know, I just, we just choose paint selection. Then I said, okay, I want a, I want a weekly call. You know, I want you and I to check in the GC, me and Randy, who's a superintendent, and I want to make sure I'm getting an update from him, right? And I don't run those calls, well, I do run the calls, but I don't talk a lot. I hand Mike over to, to Randy, and he gives me a schedule update where he is with his line items, because he, he also we also broke out the, the, the CapEx budget per line, siding, painting, you know, um, change, any change orders. And then he's, he's tracking that, as we go, so okay, you paid me one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I'm only I'm ten percent into that work and different line items and different things. And each week, we slowly get more and more and more before he finishes out his contract. Was the weekly call? I know, I know, that's been a key piece of uh, to the success. Was that something that you had kicked off in the very beginning? Correct. So that was just a part of the process. It's not like part way through. We're like, let's do. I need to talk. Yeah, no, no. It's it's from the get go. Okay. It's from the get-go. And again, it goes back to my point before. It's establishing those parameters and, and working with the team in order to create that team to then go off and execute on other deals. And it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. On the second deal we're doing, it's it's, it's like a walk in the park now because we know the contract. We know the way we work together. It's getting to know one another. We're already on the weekly calls. Give me those updates. It's, it's a piece of cake. And, yeah. and again, it's the upfront work we did on the first deal to make sure that when we come to deal 10, <laughs> it's the same process and my job becomes easier. Right. Right? So it's the upfront work I want to do to make sure that I'm not getting in, into bed with an, an idiot. You know? so, yeah. and, and we've been really impressed with just the way the communication, um, the responsiveness, just how intelligent the, the, the GC is from a understanding potential risks coming down the line as us as owners how to schedule things properly to or in order to hit the time. Now, we did have some rain delays, we did have some schedule issues, but at the end of the day, I think we wanted to get it done three months, it ended up taking four or five months. It's not a big deal, but we've got there in the end. You yeah. did say about the war zone. My response to that is, given that this property had a lot of, we have to roll up the sleeves, it's a little bit of blow and go. You can't, you know, it's, it's getting through two months of that war zone-ish type of thing to come out the other side and, and sort of going roughing through the storm to come really quickly, short period of time, ripping off a bandaid, and we're getting through it, and then we're, you know, it's smooth sailing. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the big thing. Go in there, hit all the major stuff, the, the exciting, the um, all the major carpentry work, um, and you know, crews are moving around, dumpsters are moving around, it seems like crazy, but we do it in order to create a better asset for our tenants, right. a better community, and goes back to the philosophy of when someone crosses that property line, oh wow, this looks incredible. Right. So, yeah. well, and so I think that that's a good point to kind of transition and talk a little about the the, the that's the construction management piece mm-hmm. and, and largely that process is finished on that asset. Correct. Now we're kind of into the day to day asset management piece and just you know managing the business plan and making sure you're you're we're we're both involved in this but again you're kind of the lead horse on talking with the property manager. Talk a little bit about the some of the. The day-to-day responsibilities, I think, you know, specifically on how we're managing our business plan with some of, now we're getting the feedback, right? The pro forma is what we think could happen. You know, we've renovated the property now, we're getting good rent bumps. 
walk through some of the feet, the, the, the process now, and I guess specifically the thing we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about, we're getting phenomenal feedback on our renovated products, right? You walk in the model and people are like, they're flying off the shelf. We can't turn them fast enough. Right. There's a group of products that are, that are renovated, we call them renovated from the old owner, clearly a step down. Um, those are a little bit wishy-washy. Some of them, like people are like, no, I, I want, I'll pay more for that. Well, the pro forma, the business plan is not to renovate 100% of the units. So post-construction, maybe talk about some of the, the issues, the challenges related to this specific asset. But as an asset manager, like what are you doing? What are we doing to push the business plan forward and do that day-to-day asset management? Yeah, so two aspects. It's the exteriors and the interiors. Um, the exterior is what we talk about at, at length about uh, about the, the how that progress was blow and go. It's done. It looks great. Done. Looks great. Back in the leasing office. Back in the leasing office. It's now the interiors and how that relates to your performance, your underwriting, and how that relates to the actual what you projected the performer to be in the burn rate, uh, and how does it affect occupancy, and how does that affect the team's on-site morale? Well, not morale, but on-site ability to go and perform that work. Now, you just can't go, you say you want to, you know, you said we talked about, we're not going to go and do 100% of the units, but in our pro forma, I think we've, we did, we're going to do 75% of the units over a period of 18 months. How does that now block down into month by month? And how does that month by month translate to ex- expirations on people's leases coming due? In summer, we're learning that summer is when everyone moves. So expirations are going up. That's also going to affect occupancy. What are those? What are those expirations? What units are coming online that we can turn? Can we? How quickly can we turn them? What's the? What's the burn rate of the GC? Can he? What? What's the maximum number of units can he turn a month? All those questions, from a pro forma standpoint, is an assumption. Now, when you come and do it as an asset management and managing that piece again, interiors, not exteriors, that is what I like to call cash flow velocity. How do we take it from an NOI that was X when we took over the property to an NOI that is Y? And in our model, it's a linear line, but it's going to be a little bit like this to get to, yeah. to, to point B. So we want, we like you just rightly said, we walked through the property, uh, made sure on the due diligence, and we saw the level of what that we quote, a renovated product from the previous owner. It was hodgepodge. Wasn't consistent. The, the, the quality control was not there. They had, just, they, they had more, they called it a renovation. They had updated things when they needed to. So when the appliances crapped out, they put in some black appliances, but there was hodgepodge patchwork. Correct. I mean, it was, it was, it was a mess. The consistency wasn't there. Yeah. Right. So what our MO is to make sure one is quality control consistency. Um, we want to save money at the same time, but we don't want to have, we ran into this a little bit early on where they were turning a few units and the onsite team had made the call to say, well, you know, the old owner had just replaced the flooring um, so we're just going to keep the flooring, but we're going to do everything else. But that flooring didn't match the color of our new flooring. And we got feedback from tenants immediately saying, well, hang on, this is not what you're showing the model. So we're like, we have to replace everything. You can't, you can't skip, a, skip a step. Now, little items like new faucets, um, potentially some light fixtures, you could keep and, and save some dollars there. But by and large, it's new light fixtures. And it's a light fixture package that we developed with our interior designer. Uh, color scheme that we developed with interior design, new flooring, paying the cabinets, uh, resurfacing the countertops in the kitchen and in the bathroom, resurfacing the tub when needed, putting trim around the mirror, little things like that 
um, are going to make sure we move the needle. Ripping out all the carpet, I hate carpet, <laughs> and putting vinyl plank flooring throughout. throughout. And that was, um, I think we've done like 35 of them to date. Yep. And we'll continue to hit to that number of about 120 over the next, between now and 18 months period. Um, but then it also backs into how do we make sure we're turning over enough units to the GC in order to keep him engaged. Because if we drop too many, if we only give him say three a month or two a month, it's not really worth his time out for his guys to be out on site. So we've got to keep that. That's that's my role is like pushing the property manager to make sure he's, they're, they're foreseeing what expirations are coming online and what are we giving to our GC uh, in order to keep him busy. Got it. Okay. And then I, I guess if you compare the pro forma, I guess you talked about renovation velocity. Um, how have we changed that at all if, if we have since takeover, what, what we thought we might do in the first 18 months and how is it actually playing out? And again, managing the expectation, the feedback we're getting, that like, I love this renovated product. I don't really love this renovated product. Right. The, the, the old stuff. I, I really, you know, I'm willing to pay more. So on a, on a weekly basis, the levers, the dials you're pulling as the asset manager to... to to maintain, you get the mix of, you know, it's occupied and, and at large, you know, you, we want that 92, 94, 96% occupancy. Um, but managing that with the renovation schedule and the CapEx dollars that you've right. got and, and all this this web of, of decision matrix right. tree you're talking about, how do, how do you do that? So, yeah, again, we have, like anything, you... You make an assumption on the front end. You think it's going to go like this. It never does, right? And so to your point, or, or specifically what you want me to talk about, is that the fact that those renovated product, um, uh, we, we can only turn X amount of units. And, and the, sorry, and I should back up one second. We had sort of three unit types. We're going to have the newly renovated product. We're going to have the renovated product from the old owner. And we're going to have an untouched product. And the MO going in was let's turn all the untouched product. But that untouched product is only coming online in certain stages. And we've noticed that this renovated product was coming online and we weren't going to touch that because it's, you know, again, we're not doing 100% of the units. But the, the, the question was, well, can we try and get some sort of upgrade? Maybe it's a few extra bucks here and there. So we were on site the other day and it's like, well, let's talk about, maybe we do just paint the, paint, paint the interiors, keep the cabinets, keep the, you know, the, the, um, uh, the appliances, keep the flooring, but we just brighten it up a little bit. And, and that's on the renovated product and maybe get 10, 15 bucks more, that little bit of a bump. Uh, that was a decision we didn't underwrite to, but we need to be uh, growing organically and, and, and being malleable enough to change when, uh, you know, a, a, not an obstacle, but a, a challenge arises. And then so as a team, as the onsite team, as an asset management leading that ship, it's saying, okay, well, you tell me what the feedback is. The feedback's good on the newly renovated product. We've got some of this renovated product sitting right now unrenovated. Uh, sorry, unrented because they want to wait for the renovated product. What can we do? What solutions can we do in order as a team to make sure we're getting that off the shelf and on the books and more, more renovated? And so we decided, let's do the paint. Let's do the paint. It costs about 500 bucks a unit. Maybe we get 10, 15 dollars more a month. And hope, let's see if that works. And we're right now, that's a decision we've made. We're going to test that over the next two weeks, paint those units, see if they go off a little bit better, and make sure the on-site team is selling it in a way that uh, aligns with our business model. And that's making sure that they know that, okay, hey, this is a newly renovated product. What about if we did a second model, which is a lesser quality, 
But it's again a model, so you can the, the prop the teams can go. Here's the here's the newly stuff. We've only got a handful of this. Certain ones are coming online every now and then. Here's another product we've got. It's not as nice as that. You're not going to pay as much money as that, but it's a little bit touched. You know, painting we may and then we we talked about the other day. Let's put in some other not a Chinese menu, but more of a if the person asks for black appliances. Okay, we'll give you black appliances, but we're going to charge you fifty bucks a month more. Right, you know the difference between a newly renovated product and an, and an R. Maybe it's 150 bucks. A bit of a large gap for someone to, to, to fathom. Yeah. But if you can say, okay, I'll give you you know black appliances for 45 or 50 bucks, whatever that is, uh, and you get the paint, and you maybe get a couple of new light fixtures, and you feel like a renovated product. Okay. Yeah. How does that feel? And yeah. so that's the cyber challenges we do as asset management to make sure we're moving the needle back to your point about. NOI was here originally. How do we get it to point B in, yep. in, in a period of time? Got it. No, I, I think I, I think that's that's helpful. I guess the last last question, last section I want to talk about before we wrap up here is talk about in the ongoing you know just management of the deal. So we're we plan to own this thing for five years. Is the, is the plan? You know, we're we're eight months in. The construction piece is largely over. How do you, as an asset manager, interact and deal with the property manager? And we we kind of beginning you sort of talked about the differences in those roles what's your job and how do you manage and message the property manager as an asset manager what does that look like yep so once a week we have um, we have a weekly call with uh, with our with our on-site property management team they deliver us what's a, a report a rental report it covers occupancy levels it covers what leases they've got this week what traffic has come in from online traffic from foot traffic, what the, where the delinquency is, we use that in order to run our business. So making sure that's you know right in the first place is, is really important for our business. And then making sure the we empower the property management team, the on-site team, to be as entrepreneurial as we are. You know, so what does that mean? That means if you get someone like we spoke about, uh, we walk in the site the other day and I asked the property manager, you know, Audra, anyway, <laughs> put what do you think from how you're going to sell this product, this R product with a bit of touch and paints and really get her feedback because then she buys into it. If they buy into it and their mindset's there, that can help us with the pro forma. Uh, that helps them buy into, not just, oh, what do you want to own? What do you want to own? You make all the decisions. Like, well, no, I want you to run this property as if you were the owner. And we're going to incentivize you to do that because we value your opinion. We value morale on site. Uh, and we incentivize them essentially to get more leases and certain types of things and ask for ideas and feedback. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. And the fact is we don't have to know everything, but we've got the team around us, i.e. the property management team, in order to help us make those decisions from an educated point of view. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 So, so a, week, a weekly call. Yep. Uh, you, you're getting this the, the report and kind of making the decisions and, and then it's who's responsible for the business plan and the execution of that is that you is that well that's on-site? right we're, 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 we are responsible for walking the on-site team through the business plan now I don't control how Audra interacts with the tenant but I like to instill confidence in that person in order to make them feel the way I would want to interact with that tenant and, and I don't I'm, I'm the type of owner, we're the type of owner that we, again, goes back to empowering people, uh, empower you to make those entrepreneurial decisions right for the property and right for the overall goal. And if we don't walk the team through our goals as owners, then they're sort of operating in a vacuum. They don't know, they can't read our mind and it all comes down to communication. So at the end of the day, it's communication. They're communicating with us with the weekly calls. 
weekly reports and I'm communicating back to them what is the needle we need to move it move and how do we move that needle successfully as a team because yep. this is a team sport and they are part of our team yep yeah yeah awesome well this has been really helpful and I think you know diving into something that that doesn't get enough conversation you know like this is how you go actually make money and go execute the plan it's not just enough to close the deal and I think you know I'll, I'll continue to keep the the flip the script flipped here and I'll, I'll kind of recap my takeaways from sure. here and, I'll, and then I'll give it back to you and you can, you can sign off. Uh, but, you know, talking a lot about what it means to be an asset manager from the get-go, setting the expectations with contracts. I mean, some of the stuff I didn't even know we were doing, getting these, getting these lean release waivers and protecting yourself as from an, as an ownership perspective and setting the right expectations up front with the GC. So, you know, how much you're going to end up spending, how that aligns to your budget and that we're legally protected. I think that that was phenomenal um, and then the process of actually getting you know the setting again structure and process around weekly calls with the GC making sure that that process is going smoothly and, and hammering it hard you know yeah it's a bit of a war zone but you know you you know that's short-term pain long-term gain mm-hmm. and then just the ongoing how do you which dials do you use from an asset management perspective and the ongoing management of the property manager and reacting to the realities of how that may or may not shape up with hap- what, what your performer is showing and kind of how you're nimble and in, in making those real-time business decisions, but also trying to push that down to the property manager and having them be your representative and be entrepreneurial and say, look, th- make a good decision for the business. Here's the business plan. We're all part of that team. Right. So I, th- I think this has been really awesome. Is there anything else... No, I think that's yeah exactly right. They're just they're summarizing. You know, we didn't talk, and maybe we can do another podcast on like the trials and tribulations with dealing with just people, and that like anything, we we can't control everyone. Uh, I know we had some issues with you know, designers and getting people on time, and you know, it's our role, or my role as asset manager, to herd those cats, <laughs> and you're gonna have sometimes you have you have some issues that come up, and you have got to manage through those issues, and yeah. so. We'll talk about that on another show, but I think, yeah, you, you absolutely nailed it. You're doing a really good job with being the interviewer. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to make you answer the five questions you throw, really throw at people, but I will throw it back to you so we can we can get out of here and guys can get back to their day. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I uh, hope you learned a lot from today's episode. If you do have any questions, you can hit me up at info at reedgoosens.com. Andrew as well as Andrew at wildhorncap.com and all the show notes will be up on my website under the podcast tab. Remember to click on there. And if you are listening through to this episode through your ear holes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or Google Play, we are also up on YouTube. You can see a live video, not live video, but a video recording of this episode. All right, guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.